gold standard. Welcome to the Dr. Hedberg Show for cutting-edge practical health information. For the latest articles, videos, and podcasts, visit drhedberg.com. That's D-R-H-E-D-B-E-R-G.com. The information in this show is intended for educational purposes only. Always consult your healthcare professional before attempting anything recommended in this program. And now, here's Dr. Hedberg. Well, welcome everyone to the Dr. Hedberg Show. This is Dr. Hedberg, and I'm excited today to have my good friend and colleague Sarah Lewis on, and we're going to be talking about yoga. So I've known Sarah for quite a while. She's actually my yoga teacher, and uh, she's also uh, a health coach. So Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dr. Hadberg. Great to be here. So why don't we just start off by you filling everyone in on on your background and what you do and, and what you've been working on lately. Sure. So I had a career in international public health for about 25 years, and I traveled all over the world. I was in Latin America, South Asia, Eastern Europe, and Africa. And I worked mostly in maternal child health care and nutrition. And it was a very gratifying career, but at the same time, it was very stressful with all that travel. And so I looked for support from a health coach. And I got so much from my health coach that I decided to become one myself. And one of the healing modes that my health coach suggested was to increase my yoga practice. And that led me to become a yoga instructor in addition to the health coaching. So now I have a business called Simply Sarah Wellness and Yoga. And I teach about six classes a week at the Waynesville, North Carolina Yoga Center. And I provide health coaching to individuals and group clients. So sometimes uh, people will say to me, well, what is health coaching? Health coaching is similar to a personal trainer but I focus on food and nutrition and lifestyle. So if you came to me and you said, um, Sarah, I need help with insomnia or my IBS, or I wanna prevent type two diabetes because it runs in my family, then I would work with you to create short-term and long-term goals and I would support you and I would challenge you. I'd probably give you some homework I'd want to know about your life's ambitions and your fears. And I'd probably ask you what you had to eat today. But health coaching is much bigger than food and nutrition. It's about finding balance in your life and feeling your best. Mm -hmm. Excellent. So I've been doing yoga for many years. It's been very beneficial. Some of our listeners are probably already doing yoga or have done it. So for, and, and even those who have been doing it, they might not really know the background of it. So for those who, who have never done it before and, and don't really know about it, can you just kind of break down the basics of, of yoga and where it comes from? Sure. So the word yoga is an ancient Sanskrit language word, and it means yoga or union. And yoga began in India about 5,000 years ago as a comprehensive system for well-being. So it wasn't really an exercise program. 
and there are multiple branches of yoga, but there's only one that uses poses or asanas, and that's called hatha yoga. And that's typically what we practice in the US, hatha yoga. So in addition to these various branches of yoga, there's also a lot of different styles of physical yoga. So you've probably heard of Iyengar, Ashtanga, Yin Yoga, but all of these different styles work towards improving your quality of life and relieving stress and improving mental clarity. Mm -hmm. And one of the ones you listed here is the Bikram yoga. Is that the, uh, the very hot yoga? Yes, that's hot yoga. It's usually practiced at uh, between 90 to 105 degrees temperature. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've seen, you know, quite a few patients who have, have done that or tried it. It seems to be a little bit too traumatic, actually, for some people who are, are under a lot of stress. Um, you add in the the intensity of the yoga and then all the the extra heat and it just seems to be a little bit too much for some people have you seen that yes i would agree with that i think for some people it can be too much it depends on your personality and um and it depends on the studio some studios keep the heat very high others not quite so much it depends on the teacher as well mm -hmm. um, you really need a good introduction about what you're getting into um, you need to be careful about uh, drinking a lot of water um, and and not going too deep. Sometimes you can go into a pose a little too deep for your body. Mm -hmm. So when a lot of people think about yoga, they think about flexibility, someone who is extremely flexible. You know, when you look at some of the different yoga poses, people might look at it and think, wow, I don't, <laughs> I don't think I could ever get into that position. So... Can you just talk a little bit about how yoga can improve flexibility and uh, what people should be thinking about as far as how to improve their flexibility? Sure. So I always tell my new students that during their first class, um, they probably won't be able to touch their toes when they're bending forward in a forward fold. Um, but it's really never about touching your toes. As we say, it's about what you learn on the way down to touching your toes. Mm -hmm. and, and so if you stick to it and you have a regular practice, you will notice that you start to loosen up and your hamstrings will gradually loosen and you will eventually be able to touch your toes and, and bend your knees as much as you need to. Mm -hmm. So flexibility is really the ability to move your muscles and joints through their complete range, which is something that you're born with. So if you think about a baby and how easy it is for them to reach their feet while they're lying on their back or how toddlers just sort of squat down there. Um, as we age, we start to lose that flexibility. And that's especially true if you sit a lot or if you're sedentary. So your bones and your joints and your ligaments kind of settle in if you don't challenge them. And that's the beauty of having a yoga practice because you notice that you, as you start to become more flexible, that your aches and pains might even start to disappear. So if you have tight hips, for example, you're going to put um, strain on your knee joints. And then also, for example, if you have tight hamstrings, it's going to affect your lumbar spine and that can cause you back pain. 
But once you start to move and get that flexibility, then your aches and pains will start to disappear. Mm-hmm. Right. So pain is pain and chronic pain. It's actually the number one reason why Americans go to the doctor. So it's, it's an area in medicine that has really failed the population. If we look at the current opioid addiction epidemic and how pain is approached. So yoga, you know, can definitely relieve pain. Can you talk a little bit about more talk a little more about how yoga can can help with pain exactly right so yoga is particularly helpful for back pain um, and as you mentioned it's that's a big issue here back pain is one of the main issues that that we have in our society um, there was a study that was conducted at Boston University School of Medicine that found that yoga was just as as effective for as physical therapy for improving back pain. They have a beautiful curriculum that I've used in my class before. It's called Back to Health. Um, and so one of the reasons that back pain is relieved with, with uh, yoga practice is because we focus on diaphragmatic breathing. So the diaphragm muscle is positioned in the middle of the torso from the nipple to the navel. And when you use that diaphragmatic breathing, then you're really using all of that. The the um, if you I'm sorry if you don't use the diaphragm, then you're losing the strength, and the other muscles take over. Your back muscles take over, and they can tighten up. But when you use your diaphragm, then you're actually strengthening it and strengthening your whole that whole core area. Mm-hmm. So if you were to right now say put your hand one hand on your belly and then one hand behind you, and your listeners could do this too, and just take a really deep, deep inhale, and then notice how both of your hands are expanding or moving, and that's using your entire, your diaphragm. Mm -hmm. So then there, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, was there anything else you wanted to add there to pain? Right, so, there's some other studies that show that yoga poses or, or meditation or combining both the yoga poses and the meditation can reduce chronic pain in people who have, for example, arthritis or fibromyalgia or other conditions. And their mood starts to improve for, through a regular yoga practice. And so then they don't mm-hmm. need as much medication to relieve their pain. Mm-hmm. So many of our listeners work sitting at a desk all day, they might have developed bad posture, bad habits. And so along with with pain reduction and improved flexibility, can you talk about how yoga could improve posture? Yes, I am a huge proponent of proper posture. And I often teach tips from uh, Esther Gokhale's posture methods. She wrote a book called Eight Steps to a Pain-Free Back. Um, Esther is a biochemist and an acupuncturist, and she spent years researching back pain and looked at different cultures around the world. And so I've used her techniques to work with my students on alignment and foundation. Um, Poor posture can cause a lot of different issues, back aches, neck aches, joint aches. So for example, if you're, when you're sitting, you mentioned that we sit a lot in our society, and you slump 
and you tuck your tailbone under while you're sitting, then it takes out the normal curvature in your lower spine. And that's not good because it puts strain and stress on the muscles in your low back. Um, in addition to sitting, we also work on computers, we're texting, we're, we put a lot of strain on our neck, on our spine. And um, so for example, your head is as heavy as a bowling ball and it's big and round. And so when you, if you think about if you're texting and you move your head forward just an inch or so, then you're really straining the muscles in your neck and then you, and you can create poor posture. Mm -hmm. So if you work on your posture and get, you get your head balanced directly over your spine, then it takes much, much less work for your neck and your back muscles to support it. Right, right, exactly. So a lot of people, you know, they exercise, but most of the exercise I think people are doing doesn't necessarily focus on balance. And uh, that's really an important thing that I think people tend to forget about. So, so in yoga, there's definitely some poses and things like that that help with balance. So can you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. So if you practice yoga regularly, then it will increase your proprioception. And that is the ability to feel what your body is doing and where it is in space. If you have bad posture or you have dysfunctional movement patterns, then you probably have poor proprioception and that can be linked to knee problems and back pain. So what yoga does is it, it challenges your balance. And a lot of the poses that we do will have you stand on one leg or say um, on one knee and then lifting the opposite arm. And these are static poses so there, you do them when you're standing still or, you know, just in a, in not moving around. But one of the keys to balance is mastering transitions. So most falls in life happen when you're moving. So for example, if you're walking or climbing or coming downstairs, and a regular yoga practice is going to help strengthen those muscles that are needed for those transitional movements. And it also helps your motor skills. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I talk a lot about with patients is stress and uh, adrenal stress and also, you know, adverse childhood experiences and how that affects stress when we're adults. So one of the things that I, I have a list of recommendations for people who have a lot of adverse childhood experiences or who've experienced a lot of stress. And one of those things is yoga. So can you talk a little bit about yoga and, you know, cortisol, the adrenals and stress? Right. Very good point. So normally the adrenal glands secrete cortisol in response to a crisis and that will temporarily, temporarily boost your immune function. But the problem is that if your cortisol levels stay high, even after that crisis passes, then it's not good for your immune system, as you know. So excessive cortisol is linked with depression and osteoporosis and insulin resistance. And um, it can even cause food-seeking behavior. That really interests me as a health coach. So 
that's when you're upset and you're stressed or angry. Um, but what happens is when you practice yoga, it helps lower the cortisol level and um, if, you know, uh, reduces stress and affects your nervous system mm -hmm. in a good way. So the Indian Journal of Psychiatry published a study a few years ago that showed that yoga significantly reduced blood cortisol levels in depressed patients. It was a small study, but they did have a control group, and they um, looked at those who practiced yoga and compared them with an, an antidepressant medication and found mm. that the yoga was just as effective. Mm. Excellent. Yeah, I mean, the, we've known for years the research on exercise and depression. So yoga, I'm sure there's effects going on in the brain and the rest of the body, probably serotonin levels and things like that. So have you, um, have you read anything on serotonin and yoga? Yes, absolutely. So about 95% of the serotonin in our, in our bodies is produced in the gut, as you know. So um, the changes in the serotonin levels affect the gut as well as the brain. And as we say in yoga, it's all connected. So when you're practicing yoga, you're affecting the nervous system. And, um, and it, there is a study that shows that the serotonin levels actually have increased from from doing yoga mm -hmm. so increasing that is is linked with you know feeling better your mood improves you actually feel happier and then of course it affects your immune system too mm -hmm. so sleep uh, is really one of those bedrock things that that we have to talk about with everyone and you know one of the things that i've learned in in 15 years of practice is that Unless sleep is optimal, you're just not going to get the results that you're looking for. So we, we've talked about mood and, and stress and um, cortisol and serotonin and things like that. But what about sleep and yoga? Do you have anything to add as to how yoga might help people sleep better? Yes, this is a big one. So um, for me personally, I struggle with uh, getting good sleep sometimes. And in fact, I pulled up your article the other day, one of your articles on sleep to, to read it again, just as a, as a nice reminder. And in addition to all those things like turning off the TV at night and making sure you're not um, working on your computer, you know, after seven or eight o'clock at night, um, there's other things you can do and yoga is especially restorative and yin practices are especially helpful for encouraging a deep sleep. So these practices um, help calm your mind and your body and they put you in a very relaxed state because they're relaxing the nervous system. Mm. So the, the poses are held for a little bit longer um, and you're uh, it's allowing you to go inward and be more introspective and really focus on your breath. And uh, it's very meditative, those two practices, yin yoga and restorative yoga. And in addition, there's nidra yoga. Nidra yoga doesn't actually use a lot of poses. Uh, it's more uh, a meditative, guided relaxation of practice. Mm -hmm. So osteoporosis, bone health, this is a, a big issue and 
in the U.S. And when it comes to bone health, we're really looking at chronic inflammation and some other things that come into play like hormones, exercise, and things like that. So I have written before about the, uh, the bone muscle unit, and they're kind of one, and, and the more we can load them, the healthier we can make the bones. So can you talk a little bit about how yoga could improve bone health? Yes. So our bones are constantly being renewed. The entire human skeleton is thought to be replaced about every 10 years or so. And active forms of yoga or weight-bearing exercise um, has been proven to strengthen the bones, as you point out. So, for example, one very popular asana or pose in, in uh, a flow yoga is called Adho Mukha Savasana, or downward facing dog. And um, this helps strengthen your wrist, your arms, your ankles, because basically your entire skeletal system is uh, you're, you're lifting your own weight, supporting it. And essentially any weight bearing exercise is making tiny, tiny breaks in the bone. And so when the bone grows back together, it, get, it makes it stronger. And when I work with new yoga students to help them learn proper alignment in downward facing dog, for example, um, I do that because sometimes they'll complain of wrist pain if they're not used to putting their, the weight on their wrist and their arms. So they might lean forward too much or they might round their shoulders and really they need to, to press away. And also um, yoga can help reduce falls. So for example, as we age, fractures are a big issue um, from falling. But fewer than one in three hip fractures are actually due to bone fragility or osteoporosis. Really the fractures are, are triggered by falls and the falls are triggered by impaired balance. So instead of asking, do you have osteoporosis? A better question might be, do you have impaired balance? Because that is a better predictor of whether or not you want to fracture something. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And the, the other advantage to yoga is that it can be very low intensity. So even elderly people with osteoporosis, even severe osteoporosis, could still participate in yoga, couldn't they? Absolutely, yes. Mm -hmm. Excellent. So, you know, I talk a lot with patients about the breath, you know, making sure they're breathing. I always try and get people to at least consider uh, doing some kind of meditation practice and, and working on their breath. And so in yoga, the breath is a big part of it. Can you talk about some of the different breathing techniques in yoga and how it can help people? Yes. So your listeners might be familiar with the word pranayama, which means controlled breathing. Prana means breath or life force in Sanskrit. And most styles of yoga practice some sort of pranayama. Um, controlled breathing can be very powerful. It reduces stress and anxiety and it helps you sleep better. And one of the, the exercises that I like to teach is called the four, seven, eight breath. And um, this exercise can be done anywhere. And I think it's especially helpful if you have trouble falling asleep. 
So the way it works is, is you start by just exhale, taking a, an exhale and getting all of the breath out of your body. And then you close your mouth and you inhale through your nose, counting to four. And then you hold your breath for a count of seven. And then you exhale completely through your mouth by making a whoosh sound to a count of eight. So that would be one cycle. And then you repeat that um, for a total of four breaths. If you're not used to holding your breath, you might feel a little bit dizzy at first, but um, the more you practice it, the longer you can make it. So your first, your, your counting might be a little bit longer. And um, Dr. Andrew Whale has a great uh, YouTube video showing this, this breathing technique. Mm. Excellent. So it's um, four seconds in, holding for seven seconds. And then you exhale through the mouth for eight seconds, making uh, like a whoosh-like sound. Correct. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Very relaxing. And how many uh, cycles did you say was recommended of that? Four times. Four so, times. Right. Mm -hmm. You don't want to hit. Dr. Whale says don't do it any more than four at first when you're first getting used to it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So... There must be some more changes, you know, obviously we'd see reduced stress with breathing and we would see a reduction in metabolic acidosis. Um, anything else you can, you can think of that could, that could affect health in a positive way? Yes, actually, um, there's lots of studies on breathing, and one in particular that I was interested in, um, I heard at a conference a couple of years ago, Dr. Sundar Balasubramanian, who's at the Medical University of South Carolina, did some research on, on breathing, and he found that um, breathing affected the immune system. So what they did was they, they took, the researchers had 20 healthy adults, and they divided them into two groups, and they asked one group to do um, two sets of 10-minute breathing exercises, and then the other group was told to just read a text of their choice. So they basically were just relaxing for the 20 minutes. And then they looked at their saliva during various inter intervals during the exercises. And they found that the group that was doing the breathing exercises had significantly lower levels of cy three cytokines that are associated with inflammation and stress. So it... Um, helped reduce inflammation and stress and improve the immune system. Mm. Excellent. So I, so I did mention this earlier about, you know, can, can the elderly with osteoporosis do yoga? So are there any people who, who shouldn't do yoga and, and are there any age or, or physical limitations? Basically, not that I know of. As long as you're breathing and you can move a few of your body parts, then you can practice yoga. Mm -hmm. um, my mother, who is almost 90, practices chair yoga, for example, and loves it. And I've had um, students in my class over 80. So, and, and of course, there's yoga for children. There's prenatal yoga. There's a, there's a yoga style for every body and every type. Uh, I think it's important for students to find a teacher and a style that resonates with them. And mm -hmm. 
I think one of the really important things is that you create a regular practice if possible, daily if possible, if you want to really see the health benefits. Right. So let's say there's someone out there listening and and they just don't have access to any local yoga studios. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any way that, that anyone c- can learn it say online or a book or are there any resources you're aware of? Yes. Oh, there's lots and lots of, there's especially some great YouTube videos online. There's lots of wonderful books. Um, uh, Yes. It's readily available everywhere. You can create a home practice. There's DVDs. Um, Yes. Mm -hmm. Great. Great. So anything, uh, anything else you'd like to add to, to what we've talked about today? Uh, yes, I just want to say that, you know, as everything is connected. And so if you're just beginning a yoga practice, um, one of the things that might happen is that you might just start to be aware of your body. You might become more aware of how you're breathing or you might become more aware of of that little pain you had in your hip, or you might become more aware of your posture, and you might start standing up taller, and you might start sleeping better, and um, somebody might even come up to you and say, hey, what are you doing? You look like 10 years younger. What's going on? So there's so many, so many different benefits that we didn't even talk about um, half of them here. Um, so a yoga practice emphasizes that awareness and emphasizes that everything is connected, your body, your mind, and your spirit. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been really excellent, Sarah. I appreciate you coming on. Is there anywhere that you would like people to find you online? Yes, I have a, a Facebook page and Instagram. It's um, simply Sarah Wellness and Yoga. Okay, great, great. Thank you, Dr. Hedberg. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Thank you for sharing this. I'm hoping that, that uh, some of our listeners who aren't doing yoga will, will try it out and get into it. And again, I do want to emphasize if you have a high A score, uh, adverse childhood experiences score, yoga is something that, that I highly recommend that you take. And for those of you who have done yoga before, this could be a, a reminder to get back into it. And like you said, it's really important to incorporate it into your life rather than just doing bits and pieces of it for uh, short periods of time. So, right. so for all the listeners, go to drhedberg.com. And under the article section, I'll have a transcript of what we talked about today, as well as some helpful links for some resources if you do want to get into yoga. So take care, everyone. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next time. If you enjoy the Dr. Hedberg Show, you can support it by sharing each episode on your social media channels, like Facebook, and by leaving a review on iTunes. Please visit drhedberg.com. That's D-R-H-E-D-B-E-R-G.com to access the show notes and resources for today's episode.